Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to the Early Edge College Football Preview Show, Week 3 edition. I'm your host, Alan Bell. we got a fantastic show lined up for you today, and I'll tell you what, we're not going to waste any time. But before we look forward, let's look back at how we did last week. And we had some nice wins on the board here, right? Chip Patterson coming through. Look at it. Micah Roberts, big on that Arkansas. Loved it. Uh, Tom Fernelli, not only did he pick Kansas, if you remember, our man said sprinkle it on the money line, and they won. Fantastic. So you can see our against the spread record after week two, cumulative for the show, 18 and 12, which is 60% against the spread. Let's bring in the stars of the show. Break it, sing down, man. Boys, you guys are killing it. Well done indeed. First up, Chip Patterson, how we doing, sir? Oh, doing fantastic. Best part of the week. Wednesday, get you started. Get your eyes ahead on the weekend. And uh, good to be back with you all. Awesome to have Jake uh, on board and looking forward to uh, hearing what he and the model have to uh, say about week three. Absolutely. So anybody, first time, if you've if you've listened to the early edge, if you listen, especially during college baseball, uh, during the uh, the regional, super regionals, college world series, our man Jake Fetter was all over it with John Bowman as well. Jake Fetter is our Sports line, a college football model. Literally, the guy manages it, runs it, all of it. And you know what? We want to welcome him to the show. You're going to be seeing a whole lot more of him. I think he brings, you know, an aspect. Not only is the guy a genius with college football and other college sports, but it gives you an idea and a face to what the sports line model is so we can break that thing down. But enough of me yapping. Jake, good to see you, buddy. How we doing? Appreciate you guys having me. Dude, it's good to have you, brother. Good to have you. And. As always, Micah Roberts, it's always good to have you. And not only is it always good to have you, and you always look sharp, it always looks phenomenal behind you, like just perfect every single time. Micah, how are we doing, buddy? We're doing great, man. I'm so excited to have Jake here and also hear what Chip has to say, and you as well, Alan. You're, you're amazing as well. So uh, looking forward to the, this is the third week, or actually week two, but the third week, and pieces are coming together. We're getting an idea now, and it feels good like okay i need that piece of the puzzle i'm starting to work something here week four we should be ready to roll have a good strong opinion on who these teams are absolutely man you're exactly right and uh we're all missing tom fernelli today he is still dealing with moving and getting his house set up and all of that but he does have his picks in for us you know he wouldn't miss this one for the world at least get this uh, we look forward to having tom back next week all right Let's get into the storylines that affect the betting lines for this week. And you know what, Mike? I'm going to come right back at you, buddy. All right. So taking a look, you've been spot on week to week. I mean, week zero, you were all over offensive line, how important that it was. Boom. Completely paid off. Now, you're taking a look at the biggest rating movers after week one, where we sit now. What do you see, man? Yeah, these are teams that have moved uh, two or more points, either down or higher, starting with Akron plus two. Then we go to Central Florida minus two, uh, Central Michigan three. Um, 
Charlotte too. They can't, they're not moving up. In fact, we'll talk about more about the bottom four here. They are one of the leaders of the worst teams in college football, uh, Colorado. They'll be there soon. It looks like they've dropped three points uh, from last week, Connecticut minus three and a half. Uh, who else do we have here? Two, Hawaii two. They've joined the terrible four. Iowa minus two. Uh, Kansas plus two and a half off that. And Louisville plus two, Marshall plus two, UMass minus four, uh, Missouri minus two. And what else do we have here? Uh, Texas A&M minus two and a half, as we expected. And Wake Forest, of course, with Hartman, got a big bump up in their rating as well. West Virginia minus three, Wisconsin minus three. And so the bottom four, the four worst teams, Hawaii has moved in with New Mexico State. They are tied for the second or third worst team behind Charlotte and UMass, the new worst team in college football. They are terrible. <laughs> they are. And it's surprising. Like, did not expect that at all. And let me say in the chat here real quick, Tyler Clark brings up an excellent point. Am I the only one surprised Iowa's laying 23 against Nevada? All right. Yeah. We're better still in our center. So first off, yes, in terms of the quarterback. Second, my biggest question, they've scored 14 points all year. They're like, not even trying. <laughs> hey, they're we trying to slow the game down to the Snell's level approach, and it's horrible to watch. Good Dude, for the hey, defense, but horrible for the offense. Uh, horrible. And, you know, we talked about it last week. Kirk Ferentz, he's got that Belichick in him. The more that, like, the media and the fans that he hears about this offense and it needs to, you know, kind of get a little giddy up in it, he's going to dig his heels in and go the other way. He's like, I'll slow it down even more. I'll win 3 nothing. <laughs> like, the man has pride, and I respect it, but also, ugh. To step that thing up. Now, speaking of a man who takes this seriously, but not himself seriously, and that's exactly the best quality in the world, Chip Patterson coming to you, looking at teams, last chance to take advantage, unrealized preseason expectations. What does that mean, and who do you see? Yeah, so we're looking at the fact that for many models, <clears throat> you've got to come up with the number at the beginning of the season. You've even got to come up with a number when you only have but a few games of sample size. And so it takes, depending on who you talk to, anywhere from four, five to six weeks be before the preseason projections are totally baked out of the number. So what does that mean for us here in week three? It means we've still got value for units individually that have been perhaps a little bit overrated for teams as a whole that have been underrated or overrated. You need to go and find those places where if you thought going into the year that based on all the five-star talent, based on all the stars out there and Dan Lanning arriving, that this Oregon defense was going to be elite. Well, well, maybe now's an opportunity to look at an Oregon defense that got pasted by Georgia and also go a little deeper, was kind of middling throughout a lot of last year. Maybe that's a chance to get in on BYU as the Cougars are going to Eugene, maybe a little team total action. That's just one of many places where I think uh, you need to find the difference between the way a team actually is and the way that they were expected to be because the chances are there's some value in the number because the preseason expectations have not been totally been baked out of the model just yet. That is brilliant, sir. Absolutely brilliant. And I'll tell you what, speaking of value, you, you segued that. You just teed that one up. Easy for me. Speaking of value, Jake. Fet show. We call him Fet show. We used to call Zach Mettenberger the Met show. We call him the Fet show here. All right, so coming to you, Jake. All right, so you do run the Sportsline College Football Model. I mean, that that is you. You you go through all the that data every, 
every single game, every single number. I don't know how you have the time in the week to do it. You, it's, it's, it's that Peloton behind them. It is. I'll tell you what, you see exercise equipment and no bed. Our man doesn't sleep. But Jake, coming to you, after what we've seen so far, all right, in college football, it's obviously early, all right? What are you seeing out of the sports line model, right? Like, you know, what kind of value, what are you seeing uh, in terms of, you know, uh, kind of what Chip was talking about, like teams that were supposed to be really good. We've seen some upsets. I mean, just anything that you're seeing out of it. And we'll continue to do this week after week so that anybody that's a Sportsline member has just that extra layer of understanding where the model is, where the model's going, what you're seeing, et cetera. Break it down, man. So the model has been most successful on over and under picks this, this year so far. We're six and three. And a lot of those are nailing the team totals. Last week, we had Kansas above their team total. They outperformed expectations. That's just one aspect to where the model has been hitting. One thing this week that we really like is away favorites. If you see, we like BYU. We have them about even in their game in Eugene, like Chip was talking about. We like the value on them to win that game, and we like Michigan State this week. Nice. I like it, man. And you know what? I'll tell you what, like, you know, each week I look forward, you know, to kind of hearing like where the model is. And for anybody that's a Sportsline member using our site, he's speaking of A-grade plays in terms of these so that when you see them, like we're going to track them each week, see where it's going, see where it's hitting. And, you know, you saying team totals, I mean, that like that's the game inside the game, right? Like I love playing team totals. Everybody knows it regardless of sport. So, you know, whether you're betting a team total in college or – capping the game, right? Like whether it's spread money line, uh, you know, playing the total between both. Yeah, man. Like there's a lot of value there and we'll continue to hit that. So appreciate you on that one, man. And uh, look forward to it. Uh, all right, let's get into our best bets for the week. All right. You guys know how it, how it goes. We're going to go through kind of, you know, jump around between each guy. And then we've got our big six games coming after that. So chip, I'm going to start with you, man. All right. We got a Friday night game, Florida state at Louisville. You like Florida State minus two? Yeah, I love Florida State's defensive front. You know, Jared Verse at defensive end, uh, Bethune at linebacker. That is a really, really tough group, and I think that they are emerging quickly as being much closer to that Clemson pit tier in the ACC than where you have everywhere else. And while Louisville does have a future NFL offensive lineman in Caleb Chandler and an electric player in Malik Cunningham, this offense as a whole has not been clicking. Um, you know, they were able to get just enough in the second half to be able to win at UCF. And of course, they mustered just seven points in that season opening loss at Syracuse. And I think that Florida State has found itself a real identity. And that group that was just, you know, breaking down the LSU offensive line and causing all kinds of problems for Jaden Daniels, turning him into a one look and go type player. I think that even for Cunningham as well, as dynamic as Cunningham is in the open field, I think this Florida State defense is going to cause some real problems for Louisville. That is a key part of this. And then, you know, Jordan Travis, uh, three-headed rushing attack. There's there's a lot that Florida State can do offensively. I feel like this is a great moment for the Seminoles with an extra week of preparation, by the way. They've been off since that win against LSU uh, to be able to go into Louisville and come out with the win. Uh, so I'll lay the two points with the Seminoles. Man, I tell you what, you, dude, you ain't lying about Florida State. And uh, who's our guy that was on the uh, on the defensive line for Florida State? It was just getting after LSU's quarterback, Jared Verse, and he, yes. uh, number five. Yeah, this dude, it was a monster, man. Like, I mean, he was getting after. And you're exactly right in terms of 
LSU's offense in the first half, legitimately, like LSU's quarterback would just run. Like he sometimes he wasn't even looking for his first read. He would just go, and it wasn't a design run. Like it was just pressure, man. So I feel you on that one for sure. All right, uh, you know what? And Mike Norvell, dude, like bringing it together. I, I like it, man. I like it for sure. But, All right, and Jordan yeah, Travis has this game circled. This is a revenge game in a way. He started his career in Louisville, and his last time in Louisville, he had a bad game. He was 14 for, for 32, 141 yards. So you know he's had this game circled. He's going to come out ready to, to play. And, like, his yeah, ability at- on third down to just go and get it and move the sticks is so huge. You know, he did that a couple of times as well. Took part in 10 of their 11 third down conversions in the game. And Louisville's defense pitched a shutout after halftime against UCF, but do not consider me someone who's ready to overreact and say that's an elite unit. So, you know, I think it can be a very competitive game because I respect Cunningham, Louisville's quarterback, but I like laying the short number with the Seminoles. Yeah. And, dude, that UCF game, like, <laughs> I thought UCF would have a much better outing against Louisville than they did. But, you know what? Credit Louisville. And Jake, nice. Yeah. Nice job on that one, too, man. About Travis right there. All right, Micah, coming over to you, buddy. All right, speaking of LSU, plus two and a half at home, Mississippi State. You like LSU? Yeah, it all starts with the rating differential and home uh, field advantage. And and then, you know, I try to talk myself into the other reasons why and sell myself on it, right? That's what you do when you first look at the numbers separating. So I only have Mississippi State as a half point better than LSU. And then I take five and a half points. Maybe we chuck it down because the other team's rated. So maybe say four and a half. But this game to me is LSU four. And the home field advantage, I think, is going to be key here. It's a night game, six o'clock Eastern time. And I think it's going to be an edge where everybody plays better on this team. And they're just getting together. So they only brought five starters back this season. And it took them a while in that Florida State game. But they moved the ball pretty well in the second half. I was impressed by that. Then they had a practice game last week where everybody just got involved in the game. And the the thing about Jaden Daniels is, um, you know, three-year starter at ASU. And when he decided to transfer, I was like, what is he doing? I mean, Herm Edwards is a great coach. I would love to play for him. And I thought he let his team down, and I thought it showed bad character. I thought it was like, you you let your brothers, three years, you've been in the trenches with them, you left your brothers, all your comrades there, to go to someplace you thought was going to be better. But then I started thinking about it. I was like, yeah, whatever. Coaches leave and leave players too. So <laughs> it's beside the point now. So. I think he's comfortable there. I think Brian Kelly relies on him. I think he's going to have a big game here. And at Mississippi State, I mean, number five pass team in the nation. They are incredible. But I, I think the home edge here is going to be the difference where somebody new like Jaden Daniels is feeling very comfortable and feeling much love from the crowd. Yeah, especially when you're getting LSU with the points, right? Like, I mean, how often, like the last 20 years, have you gotten LSU at home with points? And it doesn't mean anything, but they did beat Mississippi State last year at their house. There you go. There you go. And I'll tell you what, speaking of LSU, you know, that loss uh, to Florida State and then that week of practice, they come back out. I don't know who they were playing. It wasn't somebody big, but they had like 51 points in the first half. I guarantee that week of practice was hell on earth. Yeah, Brian Kelly was not messing around in that one at all, man. All right, Fetner, coming over to you, buddy. All right, first one. All right, Georgia Tech. Okay, at home against Ole Miss. You like Georgia Tech, the team total under 23 and a half. Bring it down. I do. I don't think enough people are talking about Ole Miss's defense. People are talking about Jackson Dart, Michael Trigg, those transfers. 
Well, the defensive ball inside of the ball, that's where they really improved over the offseason. They added Troy Brown from Central Michigan, Kari Coleman from TCU. Those guys are showing out. Ladarius Tennyson and J.J. Piguez from Auburn. And then I just don't trust Jeff Sims from Georgia Tech. He didn't look great against Western Carolina. 9 of 17, 100 yards and a pick, no touchdowns. I mean, Ole Miss's defense looks really good. Georgia Tech has has um, or Ole Miss has held their last F- six FBS opponents to 21 or less points. And I don't see Georgia Tech doing much more than these SEC teams. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. And I'll say this. Uh, Lane Kim is definitely going to use that trip to Atlanta to be recruiting for sure. Like he's going to oh, yeah. want to play. That is a model pick. Yeah. Our model right. has Georgia Tech at around 16 points. Okay. Nice. I like it. All right. All right, Chip, coming back to you, buddy. All right, uh, we are going to go to the SEC, staying here. Georgia, South Carolina, under 54. What do you see, man? Hey, Shane, how's it going, man? Let's uh, let's get nobody hurt today, all right? You know, once this thing gets a little lopsided, we're just going to run the ball. We're just going to keep that clock moving. Sound good? <laughs> yeah, Kirby sounds good. Yeah, like, look, this is the nice guy under. This is Kirby Smart, Shane Beamer. So much relations back and forth, so much respect back and forth between these two men. They're going to go out there, look to be competitive. Once this game is decided, it might as well be a running clock. I think Georgia will take the air out of the ball. And ultimately, you could even look at this from the angle of how many points can South Carolina score? Because so far, what we've seen from the Gamecocks is that Spencer Rattler doesn't look good. But why does Spencer Rattler not look good? In my opinion, it starts up front where those five offensive linemen are just getting whooped most of every afternoon. So if you can't block anyone regularly, here comes the Georgia defense. I just think that we're going to very quickly see uh, Georgia's defense create an awful situation for South Carolina's offense. I don't know how many points they can score. I think that once Georgia does establish an advantage in this game, uh, it's going to be able to just lean on the ground game. And again, man, this is this has every bit of the whiff of the kind of Georgia-South Carolina game that we saw when Will Muschamp was the head coach of South Carolina. And it just really felt like Kirby and Muschamp had like, agreed that we were all going to make sure we were at like the five o'clock dinner, you know, like it, it just, it, I think it is time <laughs> where they don't want anybody to get hurt. Um, and once this game gets lopsided, instead of running it up, we'll just sort of sim to end. So give me the nice guy under uh, 54 Georgia, South Carolina. Dude. I, I said last week that the over under on time, all right, was 20 minutes of t-shirt worthy quotes that chip just puts out. That's another one right there. The nice guy under, dude. I completely agree with you. That's a great point uh, in regards to both the head coaches in South Carolina, who they played Arkansas last week, played Georgia this, like, dude, two physical games, man. Like, those are two physical teams you got to deal with. So I like that play there. All right, uh, Micah, coming over to you. You got Pitt minus nine and a half at Western Michigan. All right, you're getting a pretty good number here, I think, baked in with it due to yep. the injuries that Pitt had last week. But minus nine and a half, it's pretty strong, man. What do you think? Yeah, it is. And and if the starting quarterback was going, I mean, the spread, which should be like 20, you wouldn't get much of a home field advantage against Western Michigan. And I just think it's too high. And, you know, Chip talked about the first week in zero about the running game and the five offensive linemen returning, and this is where they want to go, and this is where – well, now they got to do it. Um, they even brought back a, a senior uh, graduate transfer from Dartmouth – 
He's looking pretty good in, in practice this week, so he's ready to go if needed. Uh, but uh, Nick Patty and Keaton Slovis both got injured last week. But the running game took off uh, the star back, uh, what's his name, uh, Abinaconda? Chip, help me out there. Izzy Abinaconda. There we go. 25 <laughs> for 154 and a touchdown. I think we're going to see more of that. I think we're going to see more of the uh, second string and third string backs and have maybe a 20-point win or so against Western Michigan. And this isn't the same Western Michigan. You know, they didn't return a lot of players, only two offensive linemen, uh, new quarterback. They almost got beat by Ball State last week. So uh, just a spot here where I think it's just better class, more talent, and the five offensive linemen and the running backs just going to plow through them. And the home field will not be an advantage. Dude, I'll tell you this. Um, that, that number two quarterback for Pitt, who's, I believe, now number one, Patty, Mm-hmm. Uh, that dude was tough. Slovis was tough too. I mean, those two guys were just getting hammered all game long. Uh, yeah, and Tennessee dude, brought get, it, man. Yeah, I mean, they did. Like they did. Uh, but I like I want to give full credit. Like Pitt, those two dudes were tough, man. Like that, they were they were getting right back up and going. You literally had to peel them off the field. Much respect to them. And Patty's a good quarterback. I like that number a whole lot right there. All right, Fetner, coming over to you. Washington State. All right, at home against Colorado State. You like the first half, Washington State minus nine and a half. What do you see? I do. Colorado State has yet to score a point in the first half. They've been outscored 50 to nothing in the first half this season. Yes, the first game was against Michigan, who dominated them. But the second game was against Middle Tennessee State, the same Middle Tennessee State that lost three to 44 in their first game of the season. Colorado State can't block anyone right now. They allowed nine sacks to... Middle Tennessee State last week. Middle Tennessee State's averaged 2.3 sacks last year. Their, their pass rush isn't good. And Washington State <laughs> does have a good pass rush. They have a guy, Ron Stone, who is going to na- make a name for himself. I think he has two-plus sacks this game. And I like Washington State to w- be up 21 at half. Dude, like that's a great nugget you have on the first half right there. Well done there. As a man who appreciates both betting statistical nuggets and actual chicken nuggets. Well done. Dude, that's phenomenal. And let me say, Middle Tennessee State, lovely campus right there in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. If they had, if if Colorado State had brought like, yeah, I like this play a whole lot, buddy. Nice job there. All right, uh, Chip, coming back to you. Speaking of, well, you know what? First, hold on. Minnesota, minus 27 and a half at home against Colorado. Break it down. I look, I don't know what the preseason expectations were for Colorado. You know, nobody was out here calling them a dark horse in the Pac-12. But even whatever they were, that ain't it. Not the Colorado team that I've seen so far this season. I, I, I'm an optimist. I am somebody who's generally very kind. Um, and unfortunately, just to be able to, to, to give all of my brain as well as my heart to this process requires me to jump on the other side of teams where the number hasn't caught up. The number has not caught up to how poor Colorado is playing football right now, and the performances are going to be lopsided. And a Minnesota team that has already demonstrated so far this season that it has that beat everything out of you kind of gear, um, you know, 62 to 10 against Western Illinois, 38 to nothing against New Mexico State. These, this is a step up in competition from those teams, but Minnesota's ability to just flip this game on its side, I I kind of think they've got that gear and it is going to be uh, a game with Michigan state on deck where um, PJ Fleck wants to see 
that they're going to be able to run this up, get a little bit of confidence. And so under four touchdowns is an advantageous number. As long as it still is under four touchdowns, I would lay it with Minnesota because while Colorado is a power five team in name, it is not in performance. Yeah, Colorado, they got some issues at quarterback, too. I mean, they're, they're, they can't figure out what they want to do. And I know that last week it was uh, pretty bad weather, but still, it has not been pretty for the Buffs. I'll tell you what, Chip, let's stay with you real quick, all right? Vanderbilt, plus two and a half. And look, this got brought up in the chat, all right? Our man Max says, Vandy NIU? All right, so we got Vanderbilt at Northern Illinois. You're rolling Vanderbilt plus two and a half. Break it down. Listen, I always say the R and ROI is recreation with me. You know, this is uh, a process that I enjoy, um, and I I am trying to make sure that I, I give all integrity possible. The smart money move would be to hedge out because, Alan, as we've discussed all throughout the early edge, we are on that Vandy over two and a half. Yes. And so we sit here on the precipice of glory before the end of September, as it was foretold in Nashville last month, to be over the win total by the end of September. We find them as a two-and-a-half-point dog. The smart money move might be to hedge that. But I ain't in this for smart money. No, 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 no. We ride. We double down. We double anchor down. We take Vanderbilt to get it done on the road against Northern Illinois. I love it. I absolutely love it. There we me. go. I'm in. There we go. We're riding as a team. I love it, man. All right. Better coming over to you. Your last best bet that you have here. We got a couple more in the uh, the big show or the big picks here. Kansas, Houston. All right. So it's at Houston. We saw Kansas last week go to West Virginia, win outright as a 13 and a half point underdog. All right. You like Kansas, Houston over 57. Break it down, man. Yeah. So Kansas, we saw what their offense did last week. But going back to last season, they've scored 28 plus points in their last five games. This Kansas team, I, I kind of wanted to go look to see when the last time, when's the last time Kansas scored 50 plus points in two straight games. It took me back to 2007. Lance Leipold, he's a great coach. I tweeted out, like, you could just see how good of a coach he is during that Kansas game because at the same time, his, his former team, Buffalo, lost to Holy Cross. Our model likes both Kansas and Houston to score well above their projected team total. Kansas's defense is still a major problem. They allowed FBS quarterbacks to complete the ball at a 72% rate last year. And Clayton Toon, Houston's quarterback, is one of the more accurate quarterbacks. He completed 68% of his passes last season. We have a projected score of 30 to 49, which is well over the total at 57. Weather is a factor, however. And I would pay attention to the forecast, but the wind shouldn't be too bad, and there are scattered thunderstorms in the the forecast. So you got a projection of... 79 points, 79 points, which is 22 points more than the total. But once we do factor in weather and if it is raining, uh, it's going to be somewhere around 68, which is still 10 points more than the total. Yeah. I was going to say, if you got double digits of value on that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. All right. Last one here. Chip, Texas Tech at NC State. You like the Red Raiders plus 10. Bring it up. Yeah. Kind of an interesting X's and O's schematic angle here. Mississippi State 24, NC State 10 does not necessarily suggest that, you know, the air raid is something that's going to score a whole bunch of points against NC State. But what Mississippi State was able to do was able to sustain some drives and, and able to get just enough done through the passing attack to be able to take an early lead and, and hold on to it the rest of the way. So I look at NC State's defense with Texas Tech coming to town. 
Um, you know, they get Donovan Smith in for the injured Tyler Shuck. If I was to compare him to Will Rogers, like I would maybe lean Rogers just a little bit. The wide receivers from Mississippi State, a little bit of an edge there, but I still think that there is the potential that this Texas Tech offense going up against NC State's defense might be able to create just enough problems against a unit that I think is very, very good, especially at the linebacker position. NC State offensively is much better on paper than it has been in performance. The offensive line has a couple of future NFL players. Um, the quarterback, Devin Leary, ACC preseason player of the year, he's going to the NFL. And yet they had the ball twice inside the two against DCU and couldn't get it across the goal line. I've got real concerns about NC State's offensive execution. So I think Texas Tech's going to be able to do enough uh, to keep this thing within single digits. NC State wins, but with a lot of pressure on this game, especially after the way they played against DCU, I think Texas Tech can keep it close. Yeah, I mean, double digits, I mean, you've got, you know, that factor, which is nice. You've got 10, so you've got push insurance there at a key number. And Texas Tech, like, even if they're down 13, 17, whatever, you know, in the fourth quarter, like, they're one of those teams that you do not want, like, if you're betting against them, you do not want them to have the ball and just free reign of throwing when they're down because they can put up points in a hurry. So I'm with you on that one. All right, let's get into our big six games for the week. But before we do, let's take a quick break and hear from one of our partners. And we are back. All right, so we're going to go through the biggest games of this weekend, the top six that we have identified. We're going to start here. Fresno State at USC. All right, seventh-ranked USC at home. Uh, the Trojans are a 12-point favorite, a total of 73 and a half. All right, we don't have any official plays on it. All right, Tom Fernelli, he likes Fresno State plus 12. Mike, I'm going to come over to you first. You like the opposite side, USC minus 12. Well, I, I totally respect Fresno State. Love 15 starters coming back for offensive linemen. Jake Hayner has been incredible. Uh, be playing in the pros, I would imagine. Um, but I'm believing. I told you last week, we'll wait and see. I don't know. See what happened. And then they came out and just raced Stanford. And then they took the brakes off and almost didn't cover the game. But um, I like what I've, I've seen out of them. I and mean, Caleb Williams, he's got it going on big time. Uh, last week, 20 of 27, 341 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, and it happened like in an instant, super fast, halftime lead. Um, I'm believing. I'm hearing the horns of USC. I'm hearing fight on. I'm hearing it all, and I'm believing. I think they're going to go 6-0 and before they face uh, Utah at Utah, and they might win that game. I think uh, Lincoln Riley has definitely put an arrogance and a swagger into USC that's been missing since probably Pete Carroll. And being a West Coast guy and hoping some team comes out of the West Coast and, uh, you know, plays for a national title or something. I like that. And I, I think it's a pleasant change. So I'm hoping USC can get it done. I feel comfortable about laying the points here. And it's a huge total. But USC, their last seven home games have gone over the total. Uh, something to look about here. Fresno State's probably going to get theirs. But, um, uh, yeah, I like USC here. Yeah, they're a good football team, man. Like, it, it is working quickly, you know. It's always Stanford, right? But yeah. <laughs> the, the the cohesion and the plays and the, the in-sync momentum, like, they've been working on all these plays uh, all spring long, and it was impressive. Yeah, it absolutely is. And you bring up another good point, too. It's just good for college football when USC is good. Like, I, I like them having a swagger about it. It's SC, right? Like, they're supposed to be good. I like it. It's best for the game. I'm all in for it. All right, Chip, you and Fet Show, both not an official play, but you both like USC as well. So, Chip, go ahead, 
Jake, jump in after him. What do you guys see out of it? Uh, Oregon State took Fresno's cookies. Man, it's <laughs> tough to get back after you're playing at home and you've got this lead against the Pac-12 foe in Oregon State. Looks like they're going to maybe come in and looks like they're maybe going to, you know, kick this this field goal to tie it. Oh, no, no, no. Jonathan Smith. Whoop. Gotcha. Here's the game winning touchdown. Uh, Two yard run on the final play of the game. Like those kind of losses sometimes can linger. And I know Jeff Tedford is a super experienced coach. Jay Kaner is a very experienced quarterback, but that is going to be tough to go from you thought you were beating Oregon State to now all of a sudden, here comes this juggernaut that is USC. I echo so much of what Micah said about really being impressed with USC. They might be really, really good, and I'm with you on the 6-0 and side. But additionally, driving my pick here is just looking at where Fresno's at because you you had it, and then it was just like a Charlie Brown-Lucy football situation, and uh, I always look to fade you uh, in the week following that kind of loss. Yeah, dude, you're right. All right, Fetch Show, coming over to you. What do you see at a projected score, and why do you like USC here with the points? So we actually have pretty much the same exact projected score as Vegas has. We have USC by 12. The total is right around 73 and a half. The biggest difference here is we actually had an A pick on Fresno last week. They had to settle for three red zone field goals last week. And you can't settle for red zone field goals and beat USC this weekend. USC has Jordan Addison, Mario Williams. They're going to be throwing the ball down the field. If you can't score touchdowns, you're going to fall behind really early, really quickly. Very early and very quickly, especially against that team, dude. You're exactly right, man. They're fun. All right, next big game here. All right, we've got 22-ranked Penn State, a three-point favorite at Auburn, a total of 47 and a half. All right, Chip, coming over to you. Uh, You like Auburn plus three. Not official play, but you like Auburn plus three. Yeah, I'm not. Like, Sean Clifford has had performances in road spots against better teams that are not zero touchdowns to interceptions. But he has also had performances on the road against good teams that are zero touchdowns and two interceptions. So you've got Drew Alar. Maybe Drew Alar comes in. Obviously, I think Nick Singleton, the Penn State running back, is incredibly talented and a real bright spot for that Nittany Lions offense that has not been there at running back for a while. But, man, Auburn and points at home. Weird stuff. Teams that should not win are even put in positions to win when it's Auburn playing at home. I'm I'll take all of those points. I think the game is lower scoring. Don't hate an under either. But you know, whether it's uh Robbie Ashford getting in there and doing his little part with his legs, obviously, you know, the tank Bigsby, Jarquez Hunter, that one-two combo is is very tough to stop. I just think Auburn makes this a rough and tumble fight and finds a way to be in it all the way until the end. So I'll take the three. Yeah, I'll say this. Uh, Auburn has gone way out of their way to make sure the team is in orange uniforms. The fans are in orange in Jordan hair like they are making it definitely something to wear. The fan base will be there for sure. Like there will be some home field advantage. All right, uh, Tom, your tag team partner there. He likes Auburn plus three as well. Micah, you like Penn State. Minus three. Yeah, and I'm going against the number. I got the five-point favorite uh, on a neutral field, give Auburn plus five. So the game should be really pick six, in my opinion. But they haven't covered either game. And the quarterbacking, absolutely horrendous for Auburn. TJ Finley, uh, two picks against Mercer. One TD and two picks in the first two games. And not against very good opponents. Um, San Jose State gave him all kinds of trouble uh, last week. 
And, you know, maybe they'll get up for this game and think, but I, I think Penn State, uh, it looks like the same schedule as last year, right? They opened with Wisconsin, uh, beat Ball State, then beat Auburn, Villanova, Indiana. They started 5-0 and last season, and it's kind of the same game plan when I look here, beating Purdue, beat Ohio, a, a MAC team, and then at Auburn. I just think they've got uh, – I don't want to say they got better. I just think their uh, urgency with the quarterback – maybe a little improved, and the emergence of the uh, Nicholas Singleton last week, 10 for 179 and two touchdowns, a 70-yarder and a 44-yarder. I think uh, he's going to make some big plays here in this game. And, um, yeah, Clifford, it's in his hands. So this is where, you know, his kind of legacy is made or broken, I think. I think these are the type of games he has to win. Yeah, they are, uh, no doubt. And I'll say this, James Franklin's coached against Vanderbilt the SEC before like this isn't a new thing for him he's done it and my man won games at Vanderbilt a lot of them like he understands the SEC mentality he understands it uh for sure now real quick in the chat our man Joshua Wellick says "Uh, I'm taking the opposite of everything you guys say if I would have done that last week I'd be up 20 units my man I don't know if you know how to do math uh we're sitting 60 percent against the spread bro like I would not do that but feel free to do it I mean you could go broke very very quickly but yeah, who's he going to go against? We just had Chip say this. I said the other side. How's he going to win on that? He don't know. He don't know. Uh, all right, Fender, coming over to you, man. All right, you like Penn State money line here? Uh, what are you seeing out of that? What's the model seeing? Uh, what do you like? So the model likes Penn State to win by one. I just think this game is going to come down to something weird happening. And Penn State does have Brenton Strange going along with the name. I think. Maybe a strange two-point conversion for the win. I think this game is going to come down to the last second. Something, something weird is going to happen. The three points scare me since we have the model has Penn State winning by one. I don't trust TJ Finley at all. He, he hasn't looked great. He hasn't looked good. I trust Sean Clifford just a little bit more than I trust TJ Finley. But I like Penn State's receivers the best. Mitchell Tinsley, Parker Washington, Keandre Lambert-Smith, and the tight end group with Brendan Strange. I, I like their weapons a little bit better than Auburn's. Yeah, you know, I'll say this, man. I, I believe you on this game is going to come down to the end. Like, I don't think there's going to be a ton of points scored. I think there's a reason why this total sitting at 47.5 and probably drops even more. And look, <laughs> man, Josh, appreciate the shout-out, dude. Always on the show, man. Like, we have fun. Like, we definitely do not take ourselves that seriously. We just like joking around. Um, yeah, Fetter, I'm with you on that one. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. All right, next one here. Hey, real right. quick, because yeah. this is yeah, a yeah. good transition. Um, yeah. Jake made a great point and reminded me that on the Cover 3 podcast today, we decided that this is sketch week. It is nothing okay. but teams yeah. that you cannot trust. It is matchups that you cannot, cannot figure out. You would not let uh, the Auburn-Penn State game house sit. You would not trust the Auburn Penn State <laughs> game to do anything without your immediate supervision. These are sketchy teams. These are sketchy matchups. And I think BYU at Oregon is another great sketch game that we should all be on the high lookout for. Yeah. You know what? We're going to break it down right now. And I love, like, you guys have narratives every single weekend. And we spoke last week about narratives, Nick Saban and the like. Dude, I love it. Sketch week is exactly correct. And like you said, you wouldn't trust the house sit. They're not babysitting your kids. You wouldn't have it at all. So we've got 12th-ranked BYU at Oregon. All right, Oregon's a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. All right, Oregon ranked 25th, by the way, uh, and a total of 57-and-a-half. So, again, no official plays on this one, uh, obviously, for what you just said. Chip, I'll let you run with it. You like BYU plus three-and-a-half here, man? 
Yeah, this is going to be really tough because Baylor found a lot of success running the ball uh, up front late in the game against BYU. BYU did a great job to hold on. I'm a little bit concerned about some of the body blow theory as Oregon, I think, is going to hope to try and uh, lean on an offensive line that the program and those around the program still feel really confident in. But ultimately, this is a little bit of an Oregon fade, a belief that the defense is not as good as the parts look on paper and that offensively, Bo Nix... Uh, is just a guy. I mean, he's a jag. And so I think that this Ducks team doesn't have enough elite options at wide receiver. They're going to try their best to be able to run the ball. Bo Nix does what he can. But a BYU team that has been able to find this success, even without two of its top wide receiving options, Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney, I like them being able to uh, stay within this number, maybe win the game outright in Austin Stadium. So give me BYU plus the three and a half. I would 100% take BYU in the points way before I would lay the points with an untrustworthy Oregon team. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'll say, you know, your uh, tag team partner there, Tom Fernelli, he likes the under uh, in this game. And uh, it goes along, you know, kind of with what you were saying. Now, real quick before we get Micah and Fetner, I'm going to throw this to any of you guys. Uh, if you have any thoughts here, uh, our man Tyler Clark says, silly question. No, no silly questions, buddy. Bring them. Any of them. What's the difference between the key numbers in the NFL and college football? Any thoughts that you guys have there? I mean, you know, threes, sevens, tens, like, you know, those yeah. are Micah, go ahead, buddy. Well, the variance is far greater. The ratings are far. I mean, you don't see 20 point differences with the worst team in the NFL to the best team here. I mean, we're talking about a team rated 77 and, and, and uh, Georgia, 130 in Alabama, 132 and a half. That's a wide margin there. You're not going to get evenly matched up games like you see all the time in the NFL. So three, four, six, seven, 10, 11, 14 aren't as key in college. And that's why the reason I stress do not bet teasers in college football, because you can just look at the, the payout chart. You get even money on a six point, two point. Uh, six point teaser, two teams, even money. The pros, it's a dollar thirty. That should tell you something there right now because one rating is far better and exceeding and doesn't change as much game to game like it does college football. I just read off, you know, three or four of these teams that had dropped or moved, you know, three and a half, four points. That doesn't happen in the NFL. NFL is the most sound line in all of sports for that matter. So, to get a teaser on that, it's yeah, you should probably should be like a dollar seventy, dollar sixty on a two-team teaser in the NFL. And I do say the NFL teaser is the best bet in the sports book. You should uh, always check it out. God, I tell you what, I love having a former bookmaker on this show. My man <laughs> is sharp with it. I love it, dude. It's fantastic. All right, Micah, stay in here with you. Not an official play, but you like BYU plus three and a half, man. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, and I'm sure uh, Eastern Washington is glad the game's over. 70 to 14. They did everything they wanted to do and got some practice and good practice game for Bo Nix. Uh, five TDs in the game. They played angry. They had practiced angry, and they came out and did the job against Eastern Washington. Uh, Oregon, five offensive linemen return. That's a big deal, but it wasn't against Georgia. So they still have that over them. And I think that's where the edge where BYU comes in. Look at this game. We could do this. We could do this. We just held Baylor to 137 yards passing. We sacked the quarterback four times, and they had big offensive linemen. We did a great job. We can do this again. And here's the other thing I love about BYU. As US, UCLA and USC are about to go to the uh, Big Ten, need to throw BYU in there because last year they were 5-0 and against 
Pac-12 teams. And it was Arizona, Washington State, ASU, Utah, and USC. Oregon's next in line. They're going to go for it here. Jalen Hall is going to have a good game and very opportunistic. Last, last season, they were plus 10 in turnover margin. I think they get the ball going their way and have a few breaks and win the game outright. But I'll take three and a half. Thank you. There we go. All right, Fedner, coming over to you. Uh, you like the Oregon team total under 30 and a half points. What are you the model team? Yeah, so the value is on BYU here. We have BYU winning by one. That is assuming that both Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney play. If they are out, we have Oregon winning by about one. So I'm going to play a team total here just in case. I like under 30 and a half. We have Oregon projected for 27 points right now. I wouldn't buy into what Oregon did against Eastern Washington. Yes, Eastern Washington is usually an FCS powerhouse. They've had good quarterbacks like Vernon Adams Jr., who later went on to play at Oregon. Eric Barriere was their quarterback last year. He graduated. He's gone. So I wouldn't buy into the 70 points that Bo Nix put up against them last week. I still think Oregon has plenty of problems to, to fix on offense. I don't trust Bo Nix to – to play well against a really good BYU defense here. There we go. There we go. All right. Now, move to our next game, and I'll tell you what. We're going to speed it up just a little bit. All right. Oklahoma at Nebraska. Uh, Sixth-ranked Oklahoma. They're an 11.5-point favorite. The total is at 67. Fetner, I'm coming right back to you because you have an official play on this game. Nebraska team total under 27.5. Yeah, we have really good value on the team total under for Nebraska here. And we have value on the under as a whole, but I I think Brent Venables' defense is just going to shut down Nebraska. It does scare me after a coaching change. Sometimes these players get fired up. We have Nebraska scoring about 22 points. Last week against Georgia Southern was their first time scoring above 30 points in their last eight FBS games. I think they, they still have plenty of problems, and I really like this this Oklahoma defense. They have players. They have pieces. This linebacker, Danny Stutzman, he looks like a stud. Uh, Reggie Gilliam, he's breaking out so far this season. I think this Oklahoma defense is is a is a, a team to watch. Yeah, I mean it's Brent Venables. Like, I mean, the guy knows what he's talking about, right? Like, he, knows he knows what he's doing. He's got this he, defense. They have pieces. They have a lot of lot of experience in the secondary, especially a couple fifth year seniors and Justin Broyles and Woody Washington. They have players and uh, Billy Bowman. He was a five star recruit and he's in the secondary as well. He looks pretty good. He's returning kicks as well. Yeah, I'll say if you're a you know a brand new head coach, usually you're going to a team uh, could be Nebraska where recruiting might not have been that great, and you don't have a lot of studs that are there. You got to kind of build that thing up. Going to Oklahoma, <laughs> like the cupboard's pretty full, right? Like you've got guys, you've got studs, uh, so that's a nice landing spot for Vittles. I'm with you on the defense. All right, uh, so no official plays from the other three. Tom Fernelli, he likes Oklahoma minus eleven and a half. Chip and Micah do too. Micah, let it rip first. Chip, follow him up. Well, I just think Nebraska's in such a bad spot. You know, they're talking about who's coming here. They're Mark Stoops, Brett Campbell. Um, and it's just like, how far has Nebraska fallen? This used to be the game I used to live for in the 70s and 80s. And this was Thanksgiving weekend. This was this was football. This is everything it's about. And Oklahoma's re-grab some of that uh, legendary football status while Nebraska has just fallen down further and further. They can't recruit in their own state like they used to anymore. And Iowa, uh, the linemen. And I just, um, there's something missing there. And I thought about uh, Casey Thompson, right? Last week, Ewers gets hurt in Texas. Wouldn't that have been cool if he could have came in? Do you think he's thinking about that? Like, 
I got to come in. I yeah. could have beat Alabama, right? It's like yep. he left, and it's a worse situation there. And I think it's playing on him, and he, he knows he doesn't have a lot to work with. Uh, three interceptions already this season. Dylan Gray, Gabriel, they haven't even unleashed him yet. Five touchdowns, uh, no interceptions, 70% completions. He hasn't even been un- unleashed yet. And I think this might be a game, a show-off game to, uh, you know, take advantage of Nebraska's problems. I think we'll see a 20-point win here. There you go. Oklahoma is a, yeah, Oklahoma's a really good team. This is a bad vibes game. I don't want any part of it. Nebraska just is like, you got to gotta give them some distance. They got to go figure their stuff out. Maybe we'll come back in a little bit. But o- Oklahoma is a very good football team. They're the best team in the Big 12. Whether or not the Sooners remain in the college football playoff picture, to me, is really up to the Sooners. If they play up to their potential, they win the Big 12, and they might have a shot at the end of the season. But I, I don't want any part of this game. Yeah, I don't either. Um, and, and I'll say I'm kind of surprised that the spread is this, you know, low. Like, oh, it I, dropped. I really, Opener yeah. at Circa was 16. Wow. Wow. Incredible. All right, next game here. Uh, 11th ranked Michigan State on the road at Washington. Washington, a three-and-a-half point favorite, a total of 56-and-a-half. All right, Mike, I come to you because you've got an official play in this game. You like Michigan State plus three-and-a-half. Break it down, yeah, I think Michigan State should be a four-point favorite here on the road. I mean, uh, you look at the numbers, Michael Penix Jr. has been amazing so far. Two games, two covers, two 330-yard-plus games. He's been amazing. But that's against Portland State and Kent. And I think the defense of Michigan State is going to be the difference here and slow him down, not just some, but a lot. And it goes to that Michigan State defense, a secondary, which brings back three starters. And they brought... One guy in, the guy they brought in is a Georgia transfer, six foot three, 215, a mere speed. And last week he was a leading tackler on the edge there. So I think the defense is going to slow Washington down, uh, frustrate him a little bit, and get the win. And also, I want to mention the three great receivers that uh, Michigan State has, including one that plays basketball for the Spartans basketball team. There you go. And, you know, speaking of points, Tom Fernelli, he likes the over 56 and a half. And Tom didn't like a whole lot yeah, of yeah, over. Yeah. So what he does, dude, yeah. So, yeah, Mike is speaking the truth there. All right, Chip, you like Washington minus three and a half, not an official play. Uh, what are you seeing out of it? And then, Fett, you're on the opposite side, Michigan State plus three and a half. You go after Chip. Yeah, I'm number one, I, I kind of think that Michael Penix, while still fully healthy, is playing some really high-level ball for Kalen DeBoer. You know, all of a sudden, Washington fans are getting to see a, a passing offense, something that they never really saw under Jimmy Lake. I think a lot of the pieces that Jimmy Lake left in place for DeBoer are pretty good, and that the change of voice, the change of attitude, the change of approach has led to Washington playing some some pretty high-level ball. I am, I am as wary of Washington's results against lesser opponents as I am in Michigan State's defense and its past defense against lesser opponents. And so I wonder if the same Michigan State pass defense that was near the bottom of the country, in the words of Mel Tucker himself in the preseason, dead ass last, I'm wondering if we're going to start to see that come up a little bit against Penix in this passing attack. And again, not an official play, but man, when you see the number 11 team in the country on the road as a dog of a field goal and a half, I, my, I am not often to uh, to jump on the other one, so I'm excited to hear what Jake has to say. Yeah. Yeah, so we actually have enough value here for an A pick on Michigan State. We have Michigan State winning by six here with a projected score of 29 to 23. 
I mean, this feels like a trap. This feels like a trap. This line three and a half. You see the number 11 team. You expect them to be favorites on the road, even though it's Washington. Michael Penix is a little scary, though. In games that he completes more than 60% of his passes, his teams are 14 and one. When he completes less than 60%, they're two and five. So maybe this could be a good game to live bet. If you if you see he's off, you just live bet Michigan State from there. Dude, great play. That's a good nugget as well, man. That's a great play. Sharp one. All right, our final game. 13th ranked Miami at Texas A&M. Okay, Texas A&M ranked 24th. Uh, A&M, a five-and-a-half-point favorite, a total of 45. We've seen this total drop. No official plays on it. Chip, I'll start with you. You like the under 45 here. Uh yeah, let me hit that <laughs> soon. Unders in the forties for your shorties. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's right. Unders in the forties for your shorties. This is a very low scoring defensive battle. I think that Kevin Steele, who has some expense, has some experience putting together defensive game plans against a Jimbo Jimbo Fisher offense. I think he's going to make life really tough on the Aggies, a group that already makes life tough on themselves when it comes to getting offensive touchdowns against teams with a pulse. And on the other side, this Miami offense, I don't really love right now. They're a little bit banged up at the running back position. A wide receiver, they don't have a lot of good options outside of Restrepo. And I don't know, man, it's just a little bit of a different attack for Tyler Van Dyke, somebody who's really good during his freshman season, but doing it within a Rhett Lashley offense that made life very simple on the quarterback, running at fast tempo, making quick decisions. So I, I kind of think that a, a great Texas A&M defense is going to have the edge on Miami's offense. I think that Texas A&M's offense, which has been horrendous, is not going to be able to get a lot done against this Miami defense. All of it shapes up to an ugly, it's another ugly, weird, can't trust them kind of game. Sketch week continues. We go with the rock fight under. You know what? I'll say this. I like that underplay because Texas A&M has to win this game. Jimbo Fisher has to win this game. I like that play a lot. Micah, coming to you. You like Texas A&M with the points here. Bring it up. Yeah, basically, I give uh, Texas A&M six points. This this is a nine o'clock start Eastern time. These guys, the fans, uh, I don't want to say they're going to be inebriated, but it's going to be a, a very live, wild crowd at this time of night. And you know they're desperate, and the offense was horrendous. I mean, ninety-seven yards for Haynes King against Appalachian State. That just can't happen. And Appalachian actually ran the ball pretty well against them. Um, but I do think the defense is going to be the victorious here. It's the reason the spread of the CANN should be two on a neutral six. So spread should be eight, in my opinion. If I can lay five and a half, I think I have an edge. And I think it will be the defense and special teams and, and turnovers that make the difference for AM. And I think the crowd will have a big impact on that in making uh, life hard for Tyler Van Dyke to just snap the ball and get on the same count of the rest, rest of his team. So I'm playing that angle here. Yes, probably a good rock fight, but I think a and going to have a couple bigger rocks on defense. Yep, I, I think you're right, too. And they're, uh, you're right on the fans. There's going to be some lubricated fans out there <laughs> making it tough for sure. All right, Tom Fernelli, he likes Miami plus five and a half. Fetner, you like Miami plus five and a half. What do you see there? Yeah, our, our model has Miami losing by just three here. I think this is going to be a rock fight. I do like the under as well. Our model does not have any value on under. We have the total going at 47. 
I like Texas A&M team total under 25. Miami's defense looks pretty good so far through two games. Miami's offense, on the other hand, did not look good. They they struggled in the first half against Southern Miss. They didn't pull away until the second half. They did run the ball pretty well against Southern Miss, and App State did run the ball well on Texas A&M. So I, I like Miami getting five and a half here, but I'm not very confident. Yeah, it's going to be a good game. Um, I, I can't wait to see it because, yeah, like we said, Jimbo Fisher has to win this game. But I'm ex- yeah, I'm excited to see if Miami like is legit. Like I, I, I'm fascinated to see with that one uh, as well. All right, everybody, grab your paper, grab your pencil. Let's take a look at the recap here. Courtesy of our man, Jake Ford. He's doing a heck of a job here. It looks glorious. Todd Fernelli is on Old Dominion plus nine and a half. Vanderbilt plus two and a half. Kansas plus ten and a half. Jacob Fetner is on Nebraska. Team total under 27 and a half. Georgia Tech. Team total under 23 and a half. Washington State first half minus nine and a half. And the Kansas Houston over a 57. Chip Patterson, Florida State minus two. Georgia, South Carolina under 54. Minnesota minus 27 and a half. Vanderbilt plus two and a half. Texas Tech plus 10. And Micah Roberts, LSU plus two and a half. Pitt minus nine and a half. And Michigan State plus three and a half. All right. So how we end every show every week give you guys a chance to plug what you're working on because you're always working on fantastic things across the board. Mike, I throw it over to you. You legitimately handle every single sport that we have at Sportsline. What can the audience and myself and everybody else look forward to what you're putting out this week? Uh, there's an article on Sportsline that should have uh, dropped today. Uh, Bristol preview. Saturday night racing at Bristol. I want to do that with Chip someday. That would be a blast. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about right there. That absolutely has to happen. Uh, Jake Fetner, thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to you each and every week. And I'll tell you what, your part right here is going to come at the beginning of each show, breaking down how our model did for that week. But, man, it's just awesome to have you on here, buddy. So fantastic. All right, Chip, bring us home, buddy. What do you got? Oh, Cover 3 Podcast. Um, we will be live at 11 a.m. Eastern Time at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 to be able to give out our week three locks. And so make sure you're there. And Saturday night, instant reaction show. Look, this game, this Texas a and Miami game, might be ending while we are live. If you literally want to see hear what we see as we're watching – Texas A&M duck hook a field goal attempt as time expires because you know Jimbo's going to play for the field goal. Well, then make sure you're listening. Uh, smash the bell for notifications. Again, youtube.com slash cover three or download it wherever you get your podcasts. Dude, I'll be in the chat for that 1,000%. I'll be live in the chat for that one. All right. Thank you guys so much. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. We really do appreciate it. We'll be live here in about Three minutes for the early edge in five, and we're going to break it down, our final best bets for tonight, and we'll be live, obviously, Thursday morning, normal time today in Eastern for the early edge. But until then, as always, best of luck. Let's cash these tickets. 